If you would turn to uh, the book of Psalms this evening. How many believe in with me tonight? All this week we've been looking at this text in Psalm 66. And we're excited about it. We've released faith. And how many believe the Lord could say something to you that just straighten out something in your heart and mind you've been looking for for years? Just like that. And something you've been looking at, directions like we prayed, do I go this way, do I go this way? Maybe you hadn't been sure. How many believe tonight you could be sure? You could just get clear on it and go, don't even look at that. This is the way right here, right? To know it and to be sure. Because with God, it's all easy. Did you know that? With God... It's all easy. Now, the reason it's not easy with humans is because of darkness and lack of knowledge and understanding. But when you see things, nothing is complicated. Nothing is complex when you have understanding. I know a friend of mine was uh, in the Air Force, and they were flying an experimental airplane. And uh, he said they sent these guys to teach them how to fly it because they're the next ones to fly it after the test pilots. And this thing is the most advanced thing going to date. This has been a few years ago. And uh, they taught them for two weeks all day. And, of course, these guys, you understand, they're not dummies. I mean, they didn't get to the top of their class by being slow. And he said every one of them scratching their head. After two weeks, he said, they're just, you know, they got them on these boards and these slide rules and these charts and on and on. And they're just leaving like, did you get that? And I was going, uh-uh. And so they, their higher up saw that it wasn't going like it should. So they went and got one of the guys that was one of the chief engineers on the thing from the inception. They brought him in to teach them. They got it in two days. And it was simple and plain. Why? Because the man knew what he's talking about. When you understand, it's simple to you. You know? And so many times people try to make things hard. And sometimes people act impressed with something because somebody can make it complicated. And they can use big words and they can interweave it in all kind of places. And people leave going, wow. <laughs> That's quite something, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but did you understand it? Well... I guess he's just out beyond me. No, he didn't understand it himself. Or else he could make it simple. Did you hear me now? It's just a fact. It's just a fact. When you understand it, it's no longer complicated. It's only complicated when you're still in the dark. Still trying to figure it out. I understand God's not trying to figure something out. <laughs> so to him, everything is simple. I mean, everything to him is simple. And easy, you know, he knows what to do and exactly what to do. The more we walk closer to him, we pick up on that. And we're less confused and less confused and less wondering. We just know the Bible says you have an unction of the Holy One and what? And you know all things. So uh, we should function by the unction. That means you're flowing in the knowing. <laughs> huh? Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? What does that mean? And this is where you have to learn to put your amazing intellect on the side. Hmm? Why? Because if you have to understand everything before you step out, then you're refusing to walk by faith. And in God, you don't get the great things of God by figuring them out. No, you don't. 
So sometimes people try to leave the impression that in some whole denominations and some whole groups, they leave the idea that only the most amazing minds that have been through their schools can explain the Bible to you. And that the average person can't understand the Bible. Well, that's a bunch of junk. Did you hear me? Because the one who wrote the Bible through Paul and through Peter and through Matthew lives inside you. The author of the book lives inside you. And he knows what he meant when he said it. Right? And he is the best teacher in the universe. So he knows how to explain it to you in a way you understand it. Whether it's... uh, you know, a Middle Eastern concept, you know, you grew up with that culture, or whether it's Mississippi slang for me. He knows how to talk your language, and he knows how to get it across to you where that you can, any of us can go, I see that. Well, sure. When light has come in your life from the Word, did it confuse you and complicate things for you? Or how was it when it came? Maybe it's the 500th time you read that verse, but then that time you read it and went, Oh, that's what that means. That's been there all the time. Did it confuse you? No, it cleared things up. And that's the way light always is. Beware of these folk teaching the so-called deeper things of God. And they are confusing and complicated. And you're supposed to have three degrees or you can't even get in their club. That's right. Did you hear me? Unless you're an expert in math or unless you're an expert in science or ancient literature, you can't, you know, you don't have the brain to get it. It's not about your brain or anybody else's brain. Thank God for your brain, but it's not, you don't get light by figuring it out. Mm -mm. Oh, you can study and do word studies and trace back lineages and do all kind of stuff till you fall out of your chair from exhaustion and not get any revelation. Now, people come up with some stuff, but it ain't revelation. (laughs) Did you hear me? (laughs) And you can tell when it comes across because, you know, it comes across and everybody goes, hmm, well, that's interesting. (laughs) That's not light. That's not revelation. When light comes, it excites you. When light comes, it ministers life to you. It sets you free. You'll know the truth and it'll make you, it won't make you confused. It makes you free. Right? In his light, then we see more light and it's progressive and it goes up and up and up. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the light of God's word. Oh, thank God for revelation. One of the biggest keys to revelation is faith. Faith. This is not in my notes, but go there. Romans, how about it? Where are you now? We ought to read our text sometime, hadn't we? Well, just hold your place, though, and go to Romans. You know, when I first started in the ministry, thank God under such a wonderful instruction and Brother Kenneth Hagin, watching him minister and yield to the Spirit. And, and after a number of years, I'm ministering myself. And I don't mean once, I don't know how many times. I'd start one direction and I'd go another. And then I'd say, now this is not my message, but, now this is not my message, but, I must have said that a 500 times, you know. This is not my message. One day when I said that for the nth time, the Lord spoke up in me. He said, if I say that's your message, 
That's your message. I thought, you know, that's right. I mean, if he says that's the message, it don't make no difference what notes I brought to the church house, right? I mean, if he says this is the message, then that's the message. And to, to be led by the Spirit, you must be open. You know what I mean by that? Everybody say open. open. Got to be open. Make, you know, prepare the best you know how. Not just in teaching and preaching, in all things. Prepare, plan, do the best you know. But then when you start to do it, be open for him telling you something completely different than what you thought. Right? You got to watch. So many people uh, are not with us today. Their bodies, you know, are lying in the cemetery. Because they had their plan, and they were going to go do a certain thing, a certain way, a certain time, and the Lord checked them, don't go right now, don't go that way, go that way. Well, no, but this is what I planned. So they blare on, and they're not with us anymore. That has happened in so many times and ways. In order to be led by the Spirit, you must be open. Be very In the services, you've got to be open. Right? What do we do now? Which way do we go? We've got to be open. Got to be open. And we, I'm talking to Faith Life Church folks now, we've got to be more open than we have in the past. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but some changes are happening already. And we've got to be more and more open to which direction that we should go and uh, not, you know, have preconceived ideas about, well, it has to be like this and then like this and this has to come next. No, no, no. If the Lord says this is the way, then this is the way. In uh, Romans, are you there? Romans 1 and verse uh, 16, Romans 1, 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the good news of the anointed one. How many would raise your hand and say, that's me. I am not intimidated or embarrassed or ashamed, right? Don't you hesitate or don't you try to hide that you are a Christian in front of anybody, Right? Or that you uh, go to a church like ours. Somebody thought they were insulting some of our folks. Not long after we first got started, they said, oh, you go over to that rich church. And they told me. I said, say it again. That's us. Right? (laughs) That's us. We all go over there to that spirit church. Yeah. Yeah, see, you must be ready to identify with the word. And if you take some heat for it, then you take some. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall suffer some flack. They will get some persecution, right? If you're getting none ever, then you're not standing up, right? You're not identifying with him fully, right? (laughs) And you stand up real strong with him, you'll get more than you thought you'd get. Flack persecution but that's all right if you're a partaker of his sufferings the bible said you will be a partaker of the glory too that shall be revealed and i'll take all of that i can get how about you so yeah stand up for him identify with him you know it happens with him but that is tied in with identifying with your fellow christians and other churches and ministries. I've had people before want to take me to task and say, well, I had a fellow one time, he uh, he knew I was a preacher, but he didn't know what persuasion. And so he, then he wanted to talk bad to me about Oral Roberts. And so then he wanted to kind of know if I'd chime in with him. And I said, no. 
I said, my grandmother was one of Brother Oral Roberts' partners. Used to put his letters up on the wall. And I said, I thank God for Brother Oral Roberts. He's been mightily used of God. Would God I could be used like God's used him in this generation. Well, he shut up. But then he looked at me funny after that. Well, that's all right. Let him look. Right? But you understand what I'm saying? You know, um, uh, it's happened before with the Copelands or with the Hagens or different people that we're off with somebody and they want to say something yeah, yeah or about them. Well, no, we don't take that. We're going to stand up. And if they're going to not like them, we're going to stand up and identify. Amen. Right? Say, so, no, 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 they're our friends. Right? How many understand it is just being weak moraled that somebody, let's say, for instance, like uh, me, you know, Brother Hagen, uh, let us help him. Treated us like their own kids for 20 plus years. Allowed us to have a place to learn there. and Put me up to preach when I was dumb as a post. Couldn't hardly put one verse with another. And then for me to, to get with somebody that's supposed to be important and let them talk bad about him and go, yeah, yeah, I know. I understand that would be weak character on my part. Huh? But I understand it happens all the time. People fade, they wilt when they, it depends on what crowd they're with as to what they are today. Well, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They're confused and weak. Somebody say, that's not me. That's not me. I'll stand up. I'll identify with the Lord, with the gospel, with healing, with prosperity, with redemption. And with every man, every every woman, every every church, every every ministry ministry that God's joined me to. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Not a bit. No. If they're going to talk bad about somebody that God's used to bless you, they ought to be ashamed. Not you. Right? No, no. This is important, friends. Right? You know, uh, the Bible said... About Judas Iscariot. Uh, It was prophesied. And then it came to pass. The scripture said. He who has eaten of my bread. Has lifted up his heel against me. How many times. I mean the word that comes to mind. I'm from the south. The word that comes to my mind is sorry. (laughs) Right. I mean. How many times Jesus has been there for this man. Brought him in when he didn't know anything. He sat there and eat with him. Eat his food. Listen to eat the spiritual bread of life. Which was all the more important. Sit there and witness the miracles. Uh, year after year. I mean he's with him for a number of months here. And then turns around and goes behind his back. And sells him out for a little bit of money. I mean the word that comes to my mind is. Sorry. Weak. Moral character. Unfaithful. How many understand? Traitor is what that is. Right? Traitor. You know, it aggravates me, does it you? When you see people in this country, they're born in this country with all of its freedoms. They get a good education and they live good and, and they enjoy prosperity and freedom and turn around, side in with our enemies. Talk bad about us. You want to say, hey, send their stuff to them and don't let them come back. If we're so bad, 
Why don't they just stay where they are? Right? You must remember people that have been there for you. Right? People that helped you get started. You don't forget them. Right? Even if they make mistakes. That doesn't overshadow the good that God used. Use them to do for you and to do in you. Everybody say faithful. See, faithful people remember. Faithful people don't forget. Faithful people don't switch sides every other week, depending on what's popular. Faithful people don't let people, don't let somebody else talk bad to them about their friends and their spiritual family and their association. They don't let them. They don't let them. I know some friends of ours in another uh, state, oh, this has been a couple of years or so ago, somebody came through there, and they told us later, we weren't there, but they said they wanted to kind of talk bad about me. They said they started into something, and a couple of the pastors, they just stopped, they said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, have you talked to Brother Keith? They said, oh, no, no. Do you know that this happened for sure? Because they had some inside information, they actually knew what happened. And they said, no, no. They said, well, we'd just rather you didn't say anything more to us about it. You got something to say to him, go ask him about it. Well, that's a friend. I said, that's a real friend. They really believe in you. They really, a real friend is not quick to believe something bad about you. Did you hear me? You know, anybody come along and say something bad about you. And this person that's supposed to be your friend, they believe it and don't even check it out and don't even try to. They never were your friend. You thought they were, but they weren't. Because a real friend, what will they do? They'll say, no, no, you'd have to prove that to me three times over before I'd believe it. Right? Because I know them and I know they could mess up and fail. But I just know I'm not going to believe it because somebody said that they heard somebody's third cousin knew for a fact that somebody's sister-in-law, you know, heard that somebody knew that that's how stuff goes, right? No, no, real friends. How many want to count yourself a real friend to Jesus? Well, then you don't let anybody talk bad about him and you join in with them. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, be a man. Be a woman. Somebody want to talk bad to you about all these Christians and these, you know, one time Phyllis was working in the medical fields, and she was talking to an insurance adjuster. And this guy, uh, they're having to hold while something was checked on and went through. And this guy won't start talking a bunch of stuff to her. I think he's probably hitting on her over the phone, you know. And and, uh, and he went on and on and on and on and on. And finally, he started telling her about this crazy girl that he had met that went to one of these wild churches. Where they spoke in tongues and, and I mean, you know, weirdo. And I guess she got quiet on the other end and he said, are you a Christian? <laughs> she said, I am. Amen. Said, you know about these uh, weirdos? She said, I'm one of them. Amen. I'm a tongue talker. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We believe in that. We do all that. And have a big time. And you don't know what a big time is if you ain't doing it, right? I mean, no. We're not the ones who ought to be intimidated. They ought to be intimidated. And uh, so then, as so often is the case, then he wants to get spiritual on her. 
So he starts talking about, you know, and then he starts talking about, yeah, she is always trying to get me saved. And she's always trying to get me to go to church. And my parents had prayed for me and her parents had prayed for me. And, and he said, you know, I think maybe I'm the Antichrist. It's <laughs> a lot of ignorance in the world. Uh, and finally he said, well, aren't you going to pray for me? And this is what a lot of people need. They need a wake-up call. You know, they're used to everybody begging them and pulling on them and coming across weak and coming across intimidated. And she said, no, nah, I'm not going to pray for you. Well, that got his attention. He said, huh? He said, you know, I told her she ought to thought about saying, you know, what good would it do to pray for the Antichrist? You know? <laughs> See, he's the one saying this. So people in the world say some of the stupidest stuff. Ah, I'll see you in hell. You know, I'm going to blast that place open. We will show them how to party down there. Ignorant. If they could taste hell about three seconds when they got through screaming when they got back to earth, they'd never say it again. Ain't nothing funny about hell. He said, well, sure, you know, you're just joking, right? You're going to pray for me. She said, no, no. If you want to go to hell, I reckon you'll just go. You know, it's your choice. I mean, you already said all these people praying for you and you don't want them to pray for you. Well, no, uh-uh. I mean, I can't override. Uh, I'm not going. But if you want to go, I guess you'll just go. And then did he change after that? He said, uh, no, why don't you pray for me? <laughs> he said, no, seriously. <laughs> well, see, now, this is how what's supposed to be happening. Instead of her being intimidated... And being on the offensive, it's being turned around. Right? right. We're supposed to be fishers of men. Well, good fishermen know how to use different bait and different lures and different approaches, right, for different fish. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, boy, if they were trying to catch fish in the pond, they'd never catch any of the way they try to fish. (laughs) They just go and throw their pole and go, bite it. (laughs) I said, bite it. You better receive Jesus or you're going to hell. You will receive him now. Bite it. No, 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 no. No, I mean, you might see some results sometime with that, but no. How much day? A lot of times you got to put the lure out there and just move it just a little bit. Is that right? Then sit there. Got to be patient, right? Everybody say patient. Now, see, I'm not just talking about fish. Now, I'm talking about men, fishers of men. Before we got a private plane, I was riding, did a lot of commercial riding. And uh, I was coming back somewhere, and usually Phyllis was with me, but this time she wasn't. And there was this guy sitting beside me. And I pulled out, you know, I was going to have a service when I got to that place. And I was looking at a couple of things, and I was writing, and and he looked over at me. And he'd been kind of using some bad language and cutting up. And you could tell he he was really... Uh, flirting with every woman he could see and saying some things that wasn't nice. And, and finally, he looked over at me and he said, uh, who are you? And I told him, he said, what do you do? And I told him. <laughs> <laughs> then he kind of got sheepish because he was acting up. And uh, then eventually, you know, I, he kept waiting for, I could tell. Because thank God for the Holy Ghost. You know, we can know things inside us. I could tell he's waiting on me to condemn him. Right? And that's usually what folk get, you know. He finally said, you know, I know I shouldn't be acting like this. And he said, my mama raised us right. 
And I just said, good. <laughs> and I went back to do what I was doing. And he kept, I could tell, you know, he's waiting on me to jump on the condemnation truck. Right? And go, yeah, you saw a rascal. You know better than this. and You ought not be doing this. And, you know, condemnation and guilt. That has been preached instead of the gospel. Right? What does gospel mean? Good news. You saw a rascals. You're going to hell if you don't change. Is that good news? That's bad news. Bad news. Right? But people have called that the gospel. That's not the gospel. What's the good news? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins and trespasses to them. The price has already been paid for all your sins. God's not mad at you because of that. All you got to do is come receive him. So all you got to do is believe on him. And all your sins will be washed away. And the good life he's got planned for you, you can begin. And so what if they don't receive that? Well, then we got some bad news for them. Right? <laughs> You're going to hell if you don't change. But don't give them the bad news first. Give them the good news first. And then if they receive it, then you know, they don't get any bad news. <laughs> this is a different service tonight. <laughs> anyway, this guy was sitting there and he kept waiting for me to condemn him. He kept waiting and waiting and I'm not going to. But I see what's happening and I see I got a fish <laughs> in the pool. And I saw him. How many know sometimes you'll see them when they break the water? Psh, and you go, ah, oh, it's a big one over there, right? <laughs> I've already seen the sign. I've got us a fish over here. But I'm already seeing what kind of lure it's going to take to get him. This one, you can't be very aggressive. You're going to have to, you know, get the lure there and just move it a little bit and let him get to where he wants it. And so, you know, time went by. It seemed like a long time. And I didn't condemn him. Finally, he looked over and he said, uh, is that a Bible you reading? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> He's waiting for me to preach to him. <laughs> but see, a lot of times people have been preached to. And the moment you start getting preachy on them, they go into their not listening mode. Because they have pushed away the gospel so many times. Like Phyllis, they need something different. They need something to wake them up, jar them up. Like she said, I'm not going to pray for you. <laughs> I guess go to hell if you want to. I mean, I don't recommend it. Because but... <laughs> people think they're playing with these things. They don't realize how serious it is. This is life and death. This is eternity. This is heaven and hell. And they've kidding themselves about what's going on. And eventually he said, uh, he said so you're a preacher? <laughs> I said, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean it took a little while but eventually he kind of leaned over and he said well you know my mama told us about God too and he started talking about religion now I know he's nibbling I knew it was time for me to quit playing cool and he's wanting me to say something because he wants to know what denomination I am and, and he wants to know about baptism and, and I said brother I said uh, that's not the issue I said, it's not the church, it's not the roster. I said, uh, I know Jesus just like I know my wife, just like I know a good friend. He's real to me. I commune with him. I know when I displease him. And, and as I started talking, he started crying. 
I said, that's what it's about. It's not about religion. It's about, do you know him? Is he real to you? He can be more real to you than any human person that you've ever met. And he is the only one who can take away your guilt and your shame and make you free. Well, he was ready for that then. He was ready. And that's what the world is hungry for. They're starving for that because they've heard all this other stuff. And he responded real well. But now here in in Romans 1, he said, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He went on to say, I'm not ashamed. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Everybody say revealed. Is he talking about revelation? How does this revelation of the righteousness of God come? Read the rest of the verse. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith. Revelation is progressive. It happens, you know, from light to light, from glory to glory. But what's connected with it? Faith. Faith is an expectation. It's not from intense mental, intellectual power that you figure out the things of God. You can't figure out the things of God with your head. It comes by revelation. Revelation means uh, revealed. It's like taking the curtain off of something. It's like causing it so it can be seen now. And unless God does that, you'll never see it. You can't figure it out. I don't care how smart you think you are. You will not figure out these things. What you can do, though, is open your heart humbly before the Lord and admit it. Say, Lord, I know I can't see a thing unless you show it to me. But I know you're not trying to hide it from me. I know and I'm expecting to see. I'm believing to see. And as your faith increases, then more light will come to you. And because you're expecting. And you don't have to wait till you get to church. You can do it riding to work in your car. Expecting revelation. Expect, certainly every time you read your Bible. Certainly every time you listen to a tape or read a good book about the things of God in every service that you're in. But you can do it when you're sitting in your swing on your porch. You can do it when you're laying across the bed. Just expecting light. Expecting to see. And from faith to faith, as your faith grows, more light comes to you. And then walking in it. As you walk in it, obedience Some things don't come like we talked last night until you take that step. Then when you take that step, the next thing comes, light comes. Well, without turning there, in fact, you go to James, please, while I'm talking. James, the first chapter. We've been looking at Psalm 66 all this week. And it says that though we went through fire and flood, we went through some things, God brought us out into a wealthy place. And we saw also that other translations talked about he brought us into a place of rich fulfillment. He brought us into a place of abundance. Abundance. If you're in a place of lack, is that the place God has chosen for you? No, it is not. God's the God of increase. It's not his will that you decrease. Now, let's just be real honest with ourselves. If your finances are worse off now than they were five years ago, you should admit that you've missed it somewhere. Did you hear me? Otherwise, what do you have to say? If you're not going to say that, then you have to say some roundabout way that it's the will of God. That you don't know why, but God in his mysterious ways has saw fit for you to decrease. And you being at this decreased place is some way or another 
God's teaching you something through it. But it either has to be that or you missed it. Are you with me? And that's why we got such a world full of people blaming things on God because they don't want to admit that I must have missed it somewhere. Well, y'all not as excited about this? You know, I'm not for playing church. How about you? I mean, I'm, I don't care how it sounds or how lovely it looks when you write it and put it on the wall. If it doesn't work in life, if it doesn't get results, then it's not the Word of God. God's Word works. It's either His will for us to be healed or it's not. It's either His will for us to prosper or it's not. And what happens is when people don't experience things in their life, instead of admitting that I came short, they want to blame it on God. They want to say, well, you know, God just saw fit to do this or he didn't see fit. And they try to say that everything that happened was the will of God. Everything that didn't happen was the will of God. Well, that's a big cop out. Did you hear me? I mean, you take that logic and that reasoning to its ultimate end, and the person in hell could say that, right? They could say that they didn't know why, but God just saw fit not to save them, and we don't know why, but they lived all their life, and they never gave their heart to Jesus, and they don't know why, but it's God's will to save some, and some it's not, and we just don't know why. No! The price was paid for them before they were ever born. They could have received it at any time they heard it. Right? No, it wasn't God's will. It's not God's will. It's not God's plan. He's not willing that any should perish. And that didn't just say go to hell. It just said perish. How many believe it's not God's will for us to perish in any area? He's not the destroyer. He's not the thief. He's not the killer. He said, I am come. That you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Does that sound like increase? That sound like wealthy place? Does that sound like coming up? Then if we went down, what happened? What if we're, the things of God are less real to us than they were last year? We're not as excited about the word or the services and the things of God as we were two years ago. We're worse off financially. Our marriage is worse off. Our kids are worse off. How are we going to stand and say, that's the will of God? God's chosen us through this rocky path to develop our piety. Well, that all sounds fine in the seminary, but it ain't no fun to live. Did you hear me? And it's not Bible. And it's not true. No, it's not. Tell me again, God's will is increase. How many understand our churches, our ministries, our finances, our revelation, our walk with God next year, if he tears his coming, it's supposed to be where? Higher, right? Increased. We're supposed to be moving and coming up. And so, you know, God gives grace to the humble. It's proud to say, no, no, I haven't done anything wrong. The bottom fell out and the whole thing's gone down the tubes, but I didn't do anything wrong. It's just God in his sovereignty saw fit to lead me down this dark and rough path. That's pride. I said, that's pride. That's pride. And boy, I'm telling you, pride leads to destruction. 
But the humble man, the humble woman will fall on their face and say, God, like I told you, I did. I fell across my bedroom floor and said, God, I know this is not your will. I know I'm struggling like this financially. You didn't do this to me. This is not your plan. Have mercy on me. What I don't see, show me. What I haven't understood, reveal to me. I'll change. Right? And oh, hallelujah, he heard us and began to bring us up and teach us and bring us up. And he'll do it for anybody, anywhere that'll quit being haughty and proud and blaming it on God and start asking for help. Admitting, this is not the will of God. I must have missed it somewhere. Right? I must have. I'm going to understand God does not fail. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. He's never let anybody down. Never fail to come through for anybody trusting in him. He's not going to start with you or me. No. No. But people miss it. People get off. People are rebellious. People are disobedient. People are unfaithful. And this is why there's so much stuff happening in people's lives that's not the will of God. But how many out there are, have a heart to obey and to follow all the way? Are you in James? Now, we've taken a little time to get here, but here's something else I'd like to talk to you about tonight. About entering into your wealthy place. You interested? Entering into your wealthy place. We talked about this wealthy place is a God-ordained place. We talked about this wealthy place is a God-joined place place. God has joined you to other body parts and a supply of the Spirit is supposed to come from the head through them to you and through you to them. And so beware of letting the enemy sever you and through strife and all kind of silly stuff and uh, fighting and that kind of thing. No, stay joined because you getting into your wealthy place is connected to that. But then we talked about entering in, how that uh, faithfulness is a key. And tonight, let's go on to talk about this in James 1, verse 2. James 1, verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Most folk read that and groan and go, well, okay, what's next? No, let's just stop right there. Can you count it joy when you get into a trial or a test? Can you? Have you done it before? Hmm? This is the faith response to a problem. Right? If you want different outcome, different results than the unsaved world gets, then you have to respond differently. Than the unsaved world does. The uh, unsaved folks. Or even Christians that don't know about faith. And these things. They get a bad report. Let's say you get told that you got cancer. With a lot of people. Even Christians. I mean. The moment they hear that word to them. It is a death sentence. And a lot of people Christians. They'll start preparing to die. Well it's the big C. I guess that's it. I guess God's seen fit this as far as I go. I get tired of people bringing God into stuff that he's not in. Do you? Blaming God for a disease 
that is a living death. It destroys cells. Is God doing that to his own creation? No. No. But the normal response for a lot of people is to get scared and to get sad. And everybody else to come around and say, man, I'm sorry. Mm. But this is a trial, isn't it? This is a tribulation. So what do we do? Huh? Count it all. Let's even and say it. You know, half the crowd in here tonight is like, cancer is not funny, Brother Keith. That's how you die. Because see, taking it so soberly and so seriously means you have faith in the cancer. It does. means you have faith in the cancer's ability to kill you. That's why people gather around and talk in hushed tones. Did you hear? What? I got cancer. Mm. Man, that's bad. Well, that's just like Joe Center down the street talks. People that don't even know God. Right? And if you go home and you sit down and you cry and go, Why me, God? I'm only 45 years old. This is not right. I'm not through living. Did you even ask him about it? You see, people just assume all kind of wrong stuff. When you know him, you know there's no way this is his will. You know there's no way it's his will that you die in midlife with this stinking disease. You know that. So what do you do? Faith. Oh, come on now with me. Get, get the spirit of this. Faith looks disease in the face and goes, ha! Double ha! You done picked the wrong one. Because I'm not going to lay down and die with this. I'm not going to lay down and just let nature take her course. Ah, no, this ain't just nature. This is the devil. This is death. This is the enemy working to destroy me. This is not God. And the Bible told me to resist the devil. So you in for a fight. The good fight of faith. You ever read back in the book of uh, Job? Maybe I could find it. Just turn back there. Back to the book of Job. Job 39. Can any good thing come out of Job? Oh, yeah, it's the word of God. Man got healed and got twice as rich. I mean, that's a happy ending. Here he talks about the war horse. And he talks about the God who made the horse. And you can see the glory of God and some things about God. And of course, he's a faith God. Some things about faith in this horse. In Job 39, are you there? Verse 19. Job 39, 13. God is talking. He's asking Job some questions. He said, uh, have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? 
You ever seen a horse shake his neck and shake his mane, hold his head up? (laughs) Who can make something like that? God. And see, everything that God has made tells you something about the one who made him. Right? You see something of God in these things. Of course, minus the curse that's affected it. Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you make him afraid like a grasshopper? <laughs> What's the answer to that one? Now you see as we keep on reading, he's talking about a war horse. Can you scare him like you can a grasshopper? No, you can't. The glory of his nostrils is terrible. What does that mean? You ever seen a horse? Especially a big strong horse. Blare his nostrils. Snort. Is he scared of you? Uh-uh. <laughs> what is he scared of? We can't think of anything right now, right? I mean, he, whoo. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. <laughs> he throws his head back and goes, yeah, yeah, I'm strong. Yeah, I'm fast. Yeah, I'm big. Blares his nostrils. He goes on to meet the armed men. So this is an armed conflict because they didn't have jeeps and stuff back in those days. They went to war on foot and on horse and chariot. This is a horse that's seen action before. This is his fifth tour. (laughs) He's got some scars and he's got some marks. But he ain't gun shy. He ain't sword shy. He ain't spear shy. Listen to it. He paws in the valley. I mean, this is before he runs into battle. He's pawing. They're having to hold him back on the right. Can you picture this? He's flaring his nostrils. He's like, let me at him. I'll make you a path through that bunch. Come on. Verse 22. Oh, get this. Come on, get this now. He does what? He mocks. At fear. Oh, I think I could preach a little bit now. He mocks. They try, the big horses on the other side are trying to scare him. All the noise is trying to scare him. And instead of him being scared, what does he do? How do you mock something? Mocking is attitude. With attitude, he goes, ha! Is that all you got? You call out a horse? I think they're on dogs over there. Yeah, they riding coyotes today. Come on! Come on! Come on! Blares his nostrils and paw. Come on! Fear tries to move him and he mocks it. Somebody said, don't he know? What if he runs into a spear? What if he does? That's a glorious way to go. Blaring. Come on, if we're going to do this thing, let's do it. See, humans do too much thinking. (laughs) Uh, They're sitting over there. Sometimes the riders, they like the horse. They're going, hmm. They got some big bad boys on the other side. And the horse is going, let's go. 
Let's go. Let's go. If a horse can do this. If a horse can be like this. Why can't a, a blood bought? Holy Ghost filled. Name of Jesus authorized. Child of God. Mock at fear. Mock at it. Mock at it. As you may think of digress, but James 1, what did it say? When you fall into divers temptations and trials, what do you do? You count it all joy. I'm showing you from the Word of God a beautiful picture of what you do. I mean, it's a big, ugly thing that's come up in your life. There it is, staring you in the face. There it is, telling you it's going to kill you. Telling you it's going to take you out. What do you do? You do not run back and cry. You do not lay down and pine and feel sorry for yourself. You throw your head up. You flare your nostrils. You paw the ground. <laughs> you say, cancer? What is cancer? Can- I got the greater one inside of me. And he said, you're going to die. We're all going to die. The Lord tarries is coming long enough. We're all going. But I don't have to go with one of the devil's stinking diseases. I can live till me and God get good and ready for me to go on. Flare your nostrils. <sighs> Paw a little bit more. <laughs> Come on. He mocks at fear. He mocks at it. He laughs at it. He makes fun of fear. Now, friend, when you're making fun of fear, you are full of faith. Because, see, natural, you know, people naturally don't respond that way. People apart from God, they don't respond this way. They cry. They feel sorry for themselves. They get ready to die. But faith people are like this old war horse. <laughs> they say, ah, uh-uh. no, baby, it ain't over. Uh uh-uh. uh. Now you done picked the wrong one. Cause see, I know something. I know that you ain't big enough to do it. I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm more than a conqueror, which means I'm going to overcome this. He always calls me to triumph and then I'm going to make you eat it. I'm going to go tell everybody, you wasn't big enough to do it. You couldn't do it. And what he's done for me, he'll do for you. And others will be encouraged. Others will receive. He mocks at it. Can you see acting on the New Testament truth? Count it all. That's what you do. You mock at it. Laugh at it. You know, in healing school, at Kenneth Hagin's ministry, we were in there for a number of years. We must have done this, I don't know, numerous times. That the Lord lead us this way. And we'd go to the book of Job. It also says, at destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. Sounds like this, doesn't it? At destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. And we got a room full of people there in healing school. A lot of them's been given up to die. They're called terminal cases. And we'd have them up to the front. And after preaching on this for an hour, people stirred up, kind of like y'all are getting. And we'd say, you know, tell us. Tell us what the devil said. Tell us what's going on. Well, they said I only had two weeks to live. And the people would start laughing. The whole, I didn't tell them to. The whole they used because they heard this, they've been thinking on this, you know, and they'd go, ha, ha. I just begin to laugh. And sometimes people don't know how to take it. And they're like, it ain't funny. 
Yeah, when you got no faith, it ain't funny. Did you hear me now? When you got no faith, it ain't funny. Unbelief will even get mad at other people. Well, you're not taking this seriously enough. This is serious. Yeah, serious unbelief. Serious doubt. Oh, but when you get in faith, you have more faith in your God to heal you than you do in the devil to kill you. You have more faith in the bigness of God than the badness of the devil. That's why you get so sassy. You're like, you think you're so bad. You're nothing against God. You are nothing. You are a fallen, created being. And you've been brought to naught and you're under my feet. What are you? What are, now come on, flare your nostril a little bit. Paw a little bit. (laughs) What are you? What are you, debt? Mark at it. You're going to do what? You ain't going to do nothing. You're going to do, you're going to stay under my feet. That's what you're going to do. If a horse can do it. <laughs> Come on, let's keep going. He ain't through. He paws in the valley. Does this do anything for you, man? I t- it just makes me want to paw. He paws in the valley. He rejoices in his strength. Now why? Tell me who is telling this. Who is telling this? God Almighty. He's telling Job this. Why? Because he said, you notice what I made? Let me just remind you a few things, he says. <laughs> How about this horse over here, this war horse? He says, I made him. Look at him. Can you do this? Can you do that? The creation of God reveals the nature of God. It reveals what pleases him. If it pleases God to see that horse do that, it's going to please him to see his children stand up. Right? We are not cowards. We are not weaklings. We are not defeated ones. He mocks at fear. He's not affrighted. Neither turns he back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him. The glittering spear and the shield. I mean, there's noise going on. This is war. People are screaming. People are yelling bloody murder. There's all this noise of the steel clashing. Does he care? Ears back, and here he comes, man. Here he comes. I mean, there's all this noise. He don't care, man. Here he goes. He mocks at fear. Look at verse 24. He swallows the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believes he that it's the sound of the trumpet. He don't listen good to retreat signals. He's like... I didn't hear nothing. Come on. (laughs) He says among the trumpets. What? Uh Ha! Ha! (laughs) And he smells the battle afar off. And the thunder of the captains. And the shouting. Oh, I can see all kind of things in that. I, I can see the spirit of faith. I can see that undaunted strength. Of knowing the greater ones inside you. And that's how. When anything that's not good comes up in your life. Instead of you wilting and pining. You can count it all joy. 
you could say, oh, no, what? The devil says, oh, this is it. You're going there. He said, no, no. This is another opportunity for God to get glory. This is another opportunity for me to walk in faith and please my God. To overcome. To triumph. So that God is exalted and glorified. Not in the problem. Not in the disease. But in the healing. Not in the poverty. But in the prosperity. Not in the sin. But in the victory over it. Oh, hallelujah. And you do this a while. And you become more and more this way. You watch, you know, I, some years ago we were in a meeting and, and this man got up. He was a missionary, been a missionary to another country for, I don't know, 20, 30 years at that time. And he got up and he started speaking. And he hadn't spoken five minutes. I punched Phyllis. I said, I like him. <laughs> she said, you don't even know him. I said, I don't care. Listen, he's got faith. Listen at him. He'd talk about, people wouldn't talk to him about the hard times and the bad times. He'd mention them, but it was just like in passing. Yeah, Yeah, but didn't they come in with uh, guns and didn't they burn your village down and didn't they do this? He said, yeah, yeah, they did some stuff. But God came in and he he picked us up and he gave us, we had a victory and a lot of people got saved. And Oh, I like faith. Don't you like faith? Faith is not a whiny baby. Faith doesn't lie and pine and whine and cry about the problem. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of the overcomer. Go back to James, please. Mm -mm -mm. Well, I didn't plan on that, but I sure enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I may see a lot of flaring nostrils and pawing. Around our congregation. That's all right. You just go ahead. (laughs) Back to James. He said, my brethren, do what? Count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations, trials, and tests. Can you do that? Yeah, you can do it. It is the only faith response. Only way to respond in faith. It didn't say you had to feel like it. Did you hear me now? Here's a huge bill you wasn't expecting. Ain't got a clue where the money might come from. Looks like, boy, if you don't come up with this real quick, it could be big problems for you. You could go under in a big way. How do most people respond to that? (laughs) Huh? How do most people, they worry, call folks and cry and say, I don't know what I'm going to do and ask 30 people, what do you think I ought to do and get 30 different answers. Wind up more sad and depressed and confused than when they started out. Hmm? I'm talking about Christians. Christians. But with what we've been talking about now, is there another way you could respond? Yes, sir. Hmm? How could you respond? Praise God. It's time to throw the old head back. (laughs) Paw a little bit. Right? Even if you have to put it on, you may not feel like it, but by faith, put on the garment of praise. Put on the joy of the Lord and go, oh, no, no, no. I've been here before. I've been here before and God brought me through and he brought me through. This is another opportunity. 
to see the Word of God work, to see God's faithfulness for God to get glory. Amen. And go ahead and rejoice because of the end, the outcome that you believe of victory that has to happen. That's faith. That's faith. And he went on to say, knowing this, you do that, knowing this, that the trying of your faith does what? It works patience or endurance or perseverance, but let patience, perseverance, have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Does that describe a wealthy place? It does. You're perfect, complete, entire, wanting People ask you, what else do you need? What else do you want? What could we do for you? And you think and you go, I don't know of a thing. I got everything that I wanted and needed. Is that your wealthy place? You are in your wealthy place. Your life is complete. You are wanting, lacking nothing. Can God get you there? Is that his will? Can he get you to the place where you lack and want nothing? Is it Bible? I didn't make this up. I didn't write this. Right? right. Is it God's will that you get to the place where you are complete? Your life is complete. I understand he's talking about a lot more than just money here. Right? Your life is complete. You're happy. You're fulfilled. You feel like your life means something, that it's doing something, right? And you're not sitting there all the time wishing you had the resources to do what you feel like you're supposed to do. You're doing it. The resources are there. Amen. You're doing it. It's there. It's coming in. Complete. Wanting nothing. That's your wealthy place. That's your wealthy place. Now let's back up. How do you get there? Count it all joy. That's faith. You understand? And that's being strong in faith. Uh, the Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. That is the strong response. That is the faith response. But keep going. After that, what did he say? Let patience have her perfect work. And that's how you wind up. Right? Complete Entire wanting nothing through the patience. Everybody say patience. Patience. Go back to Hebrews real quickly now. Hebrews the sixth chapter. Said out loud patience Patience. is a big key key. to getting to my wealthy place. place. Patience. A lot of folk think that's a bad word. You even hear Christians kind of brag and say, well, (laughs) boy, that's one of my weak points. It's patience. I'm sorry, but I just never say that again. Never say that again. It's nothing to joke about. It's not funny. Because when you run out of patience, you just run out of faith. Patience is the companion force that works with your faith. You run out of patience, you just got out of faith. You'll see that here. Hebrews 6. In Hebrews 6, we've already talked about how God chose Abraham. And he brought him out from where he was. And he says, I've got a place for you. And he took him into the place 
progressively till he was very, very rich. Did God bring Abram to a wealthy place? He did. And it tells you how he does it. In verse 11, Hebrews 6, 11, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Let's say that in different ways. You stay diligent, you stay after it, unto where? To the end. That you be not slothful. One says dull and lazy. But followers are imitators of them who through faith and what? Patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing I'll bless you and multiplying I'll multiply you. And so after he had patiently what? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Did he get into his wealthy place in this life? Yes, he did. How did he get there? Through faith and patience. Now, we talked about how the war horse responds. Something comes up. Problem. Attack. Lack. Whatever. Unbelief cries, feels sorry for itself, lays down, pulls the curtain and unplugs the phone, puts a cool cloth on his head. Hmm? <laughs> Waits for somebody to come and notice it and feel sorry for it. Unbelief. Not faith. Faith counts it all joy. Faith flares its nostrils. Pause and says, uh uh-uh, no. No, I'm not laying down with this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And expects to get through. Expects to come over. Expects God to give me everything I need. The strength I need. Revelation every day. He'll show me what steps to take. He'll prop me up if I feel weak. He'll quicken me. Right? Expecting. Expecting. And joy. But now here's the big issue now. Not just through, we said, you know, count it all joy. Then he said, let patience have her perfect work. Then you wind up perfect in the time. What comes after that? The patience, which is the perseverance. It is the expectant endurance. Say that out loud. Expectant endurance. Here's the question. You're flaring your nostrils. You're pawing the ground. You got joy. You say, we ain't going under. We're going over. Here's the next question. How long can you do it? How long can you keep that up? That's the next question. Right? Are you with me now? Oh, this is what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Right? This is why so many people, they start off good. They do great for a few days. Or they do great for a week or two. But then, as time goes on, they're tempted to get weary. Didn't we just read about that? Don't get weary. In well-doing, for in due season you will reap if, if, if you don't faint, if you don't quit. How many understand this race of ours is not a sprint? It's not a dash. It's a marathon. It's an endurance run. 
I said, it's an endurance run. You can believe God like a house of fire. You can flare your nostrils and paw the ground and make good confessions and confess strength wonderfully for three weeks and quit and get exactly the same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. What must you do? You must get up the next morning. And flare your nostrils. <laughs> and paw the ground. Right? You got to get up next week and flare your nostrils. And, and paw the ground. And next month and the month after that. And the devil will try to come and say, oh, you, would you quit that? You know you're dying. You know you're going under. And that's when you're either made or lost. It's either won or lost. Right? So many times it's not at church. When the organ is playing and the preacher is, is waving his arms, you're at home by yourself. Huh? And it looks worse than it did two months ago. Right? Less money in the bank than it was six months ago. Ain't nobody there to play the supercharged organ. (laughs) But how many understand there is somebody else there? There is. You are not alone. Oh, glory to God. There's somebody else there. There's the greater one inside you. The devil said, you ain't got no more pawing left. That little last paw you did, that was pitiful. That little paw, you gone. You done. And in your own strength, it may look like it and feel like it. But when you run out, when you have run out, his grace is sufficient for you. And there is strength, supernatural strength inside you that's far beyond your mind and your body. Oh, and when you're out of gas, I can't even lift up to Paul no more. Here comes, here comes the quickening of the Holy Ghost in you. If you're willing. If you're willing, if your heart's that way. If you've set your face like flint, he's going to come through for you. And you'll paw again. <laughs> and you'll flare your nostrils and say, Aha! Aha! I'm going over again. And sometimes that's all it took was that one more time. And here comes the breakthrough. <laughs> but you got to let patience have her perfect work. What does that mean? A word for that. We said expectant endurance. You keep expecting See, that's the real test. Can you keep that expect, just like you're expecting tonight in an area, can you keep that up two weeks from now? Can you maintain that three months from now? Can you keep that up? That's how you win the battle. That's how you overcome. What did he say? Abraham. How many understand when God told him about, you know, I'm going to make your seed like the stars in heaven and like the sun. Did it happen next week? Did it happen next year? It didn't. I'm sure he got excited out there looking at the stars. I'm sure he got excited talking with God. But I'm understand he had to keep that excitement for the next month and the next year and the next year, right? He had to keep it in him. Had to keep it in him. Every man of faith, every woman of faith that you read about in Hebrews 11, you read about it, they had that. They had that old war horse. <laughs> that old can't be whipped mentality. Man. Never quit mentality. Joseph, you think about him? Joseph, he's a prep boy. He's got the nice clothes and his daddy's favorite. And he gets stripped of that and thrown into a situation as a slave. But he had a dream. 
God had given him a dream. He saw himself ruling and reigning. He did not let that upset rob him of his dreams. I mean, how you know? Watch and you'll see. It's very clear throughout this thing. He held on to it. You don't stay aggressive and up and hard working when you're hopeless. You don't do that. And every day, he's a slave. He don't even own himself anymore. But every day, he pops up and believes God for revelation and is so efficient and so successful, the man turns his whole life over to him. How many say you do not do that when you're hopeless? You don't act like that. And then, from bad to worse, the man's wife lies on him, accuses him of attacking her. He winds up in the darkest dungeon for the worst people, trying to choke out his dream, trying to get the aha out of him. But you see, the butler and the baker's in there. He's been in jail for some time now. And he bounces into the jail cell in the morning and sees them. They're depressed over the dream. He said, what's wrong with you boys? Why are you so sad? Oh, do you hear this, friends? Can you hear this? you got to see what's going on in the situation. What are you so sad for? They might say, because we're in the dungeon. Because his food stinks. Because <laughs> he's changed hurt. He has never lost his joy. He's not lost his vision. He's held on to it. Can you see why God picked him? You see why God, he knew what he'd do with it. He's held on to it through all his slavery, through the dungeon, everything. And here one morning, here comes somebody from Pharaoh. Where's Joseph? Where's Joseph? Well, he's over here. Joseph, Pharaoh's calling for you. Pharaoh's calling for you. Man, they cleaned him up real quick. Got him up there. Before the day was over, he was number two man in the empire. Riding in the finest chariot, wearing the finest clothes. And not long after that, his brothers came in and bowed down to it, just like he saw in the dream. But you see, it wasn't just God's side. There's a manward side. And on this manward side, he wouldn't turn loose of that dream. He held on to How many believe in that dungeon at nighttime? He'd think about that and he'd say, no. The devil said, it'll never come to pass in this dark, terrible hole. He said, oh, no, I saw it. I saw it. And go ahead and get happy about it laying there on that old jail cot and go, it's going to happen. You just watch. It's going to happen. And then get up and paw a little bit. (laughs) It's got to come to pass. It's got to come to pass. And you let patience have her perfect work. That's how. Doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen in a week or two. Doesn't happen always in a year or two. But you just stay with the vision God gave you. You stay in that faith attitude. God will take you from this place to this place. It'll get better all along the way. And this place. And this place. And eventually you'll realize, man, I'm so complete. My life is so complete. I'm rich. I'm healthy. I've got respect. God's using me. We've got fruit. I can't think of a thing I want. I want nothing. I'm in my wealthy place. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet and praise God, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelifenow.org.